0: This is a public service announcement brought to you by Cardell Sims and the good folks at TMG Records. Check the forecast. I rain fact. That's true. Precipitation. Give them time back or use it to build patience.
1: Either or try to maneuver above basic. So when you touch down, you hover over complacent. Long story short, we made the time count Incarceration couldn't keep our minds timed out We just gave clout to the count times and grind it Made our re-entry a journey out of confinement. What would be one word to the stars to Enriching Unapologetic
0: Elevation All right, all right, man, we are back. Another episode of the Re-Entry journey I am your host, Cordell Sims, and before we get started, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, I'm Soul. Can you see my shirt? Yeah, you go, I'm Soul. It's on there, I-M-S-O, I'mSoulNow.com. I'm Soul stands for inspire, motivate, and support others. It's something that you want to do every day. Inspire someone, motivate someone, support someone. You can get your I'm Soul uh, material merchandise at I'mSoulNow.com. That's I-M-S-O-N-O-W dot com. I mean, dot com. Shout out to the owner, a personal friend of mine. We play college basketball together, and I've seen him grow. He's seen me grow. Uh, the owner of I'm Soul is uh, David Walker. Follow him on his Instagram, Facebook. And make sure you go to I'mSoNow.com, order you some I'm So merchandise. On to the next and the topic of tonight, man. I just want to say one thing. The, my guest tonight, our guest tonight, not only... as I just got to say this. There's this thing when I was in the streets, what we call, it, uh, we call... I call it, it was a pest. So when I used to sell drugs in the streets... It used to be always somebody or uh, this one person that would come with five, six, seven dollars. And they would come with this over knowing they need twenty. I'm like, man, but they would bother me so much that I would finally give in. And because they had they just, they was on their mission. And so I remember asking this person to be on my podcast. I I comment to be on the podcast. And I actually i I didn't forget about it, but it um I kind of put it off. I'm just going to be honest. I put it off because I was do, doing a lot of other stuff. And then once you responded, he was like, yeah, you're going to get me on the podcast. You're going to get me on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get you on. And I already had it lined up. But I was like, I got to get you on. I got to get you in. I got to break the line. I got to get you in because I started following you. I really started focusing in on the work that you're doing and the story. And I know all of us is tuning in on the reentry journey and those of us that's been on this podcast. Uh, we have a, a journey after re-entry. We have a journey pre-re-entry. The thing about, I, what I like about your story is you was on the same mission. It wasn't no incarceration. Now you've been on the same mission from your own personal stories, from your own personal hurt. And you get on this mission and you traveling and you're doing the things that you're doing. And your, your truth and the, and the stuff that you speak in the truth, gets you incarcerated, gets you in prison. Um, I mean, you got an amazing story. I'm not. I'm not going to just. I'm, I'm through talking. I'm going to turn the floor over to our guest tonight, an an attorney. We're talking about a human trav. Trav. every man, you do so much. I. I it's just crazy. I just. Uh, it's, I'm. I'm. I'm shocked that you do everything that you do. So I really want to bring you to the floor and let you tell your story. The whole the floor is yours. Our guest tonight on the reentry journey is Juanita. Higley, welcome to The Reentry Journey.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really appreciative of the opportunity. As the saying goes, better late than never. So I'm so grateful that this can happen today.
0: Oh, I appreciate it. I, I, I'm glad that you, you you stayed messaging me like, can we get on? Can we get on? <laughs> and so, I mean, because if you wouldn't, it probably would have got pushed back further. But I'm like, man, we got to get it on. So Because <laughs> what it did was it made me focus in on your story more. I, I I seen posts on stuff like on LinkedIn and I like, okay yeah I, I really like that. But then when you kept messaging me like I can't I, got, I want to get on I want to get on. I'm like let me let me let me check her out let me see what's going on. Then when I got the story I'm like man I just, she, she should have been on. <laughs> so thanks a lot for um the the persistence the consistency of really reaching out you know that you really want to share your story because you know because you know. The importance of it. I know now, but at the time I really, you know, but you knew and you know the importance of what you do and what you've been through, so I really appreciate that.
1: Most definitely, and I'm very grateful. Yeah, thank you. So for those who don't know of me, as you rightly said, my name is Juanita Headley, and I am a New York attorney. By the grace of God, I've been an attorney for seven years. However, I'm originally from London, England. My family are Jamaican, and as a result of being a foreigner, I'm a pro bono lawyer, and so therefore for seven years I have been working for free in New York with those who are homeless, immigrants, illegal immigrants, or undocumented is the more appropriate term, and those who have been formally incarcerated. I've been doing that with the Christian legal aid, and I've also volunteered in the Bronx doing immigration work. In addition to that, as you rightly said, I do human trafficking prevention work and I've had the opportunity over the last 10 years to travel around the world sharing my message of empowerment quite often i hear people use the term awareness or awareness raising that is a term i don't use i consider it a dirty word i'm all about educating and empowering because to me awareness is knowing and doing nothing people Mm -hmm. look outside their window and they see the weather it's sunny it's cold whatever it is and they may make the statement it's warm and the response they get from the person with them or on the phone, I'm aware. And for me, it's simply knowing and doing nothing, which is one of the reasons why exploitation continues to exist even in the United States, because awareness raising often just raises the knowledge but doesn't give a call to action, doesn't empower people what to do next. And so my passion for human trafficking has taken me all around the world. I've spoken on the TV and radio, in Ghana, in, in Caribbean, St. Vincent, Trinidad, even in India. And I've had great opportunities to share my knowledge and expertise to those who often know very little about trafficking. And in fact, my motivation, besides my faith in Jesus Christ, is that I was, unfortunately, a victim of childhood sexual abuse from the ages of 4 to 10 by my mother's first husband. Being abused, going through that, is the motivation behind why I do what I do because the reality is that a victim survivor of childhood sexual abuse or an ACE, an adverse childhood experience, makes them vulnerable to exploitation, makes them vulnerable to abuse or maybe even domestic violence. And so knowing that, knowing that I was abused and that abuse makes me vulnerable, I've decided to take my story and do something positive with it. In the Bible, it says, well, the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. I believe that despite what I went through as a child, my past does not dictate my future. And that is what led me to St. Vincent last year, where I went for a presentation on human trafficking and child abuse prevention. So for 10 years, I've traveled the world and all the work I do is pro bono. I was speaking with somebody recently. In fact, his name is Jeffrey Deskovich. I believe that's how it's pronounced, who was falsely imprisoned for rape he didn't commit. And he asked me, why do you do everything for free? And he said, do you not want to make money? And I said, it's not like that. But for me, I don't want to charge people to be educated and empowered on such an important topic. So I travel the world pretty much like Luke chapter 10, for those who know the Bible, travel in the world like a disciple or or as my grandma would say, like a gypsy, and just serving communities and educating them. I'm not motivated by money. I mean, I'm a U.S. lawyer seven years getting paid nothing. I'm passionate about helping people. And so oh, sentence oh, oh. Yes, I, I'm, go I'm ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry to
0: interrupt you. But <laughs> no, that's cool. Is someone out there saying, what do you mean you ain't get paid nothing? You're not taking you, you you're just out there being a lawyer for free. Well, can you explain the reason behind <laughs> that?
1: Yeah. And thank you for asking. And I appreciate it. What I find is that most people overcomplicate this. It's very simple. I'm an immigrant. I'm from England. I'm an American lawyer. I'm not an American. I do not have family in America. I do not have work authorization or citizenship. I am an immigrant. My understanding and the laws in each country different, but I'm speaking generally. My understanding when you travel to a foreign country, if you don't have the right to work because you're a citizen or you have the legal documentation, it is legal. And I say generally speaking because maybe you might be able to go to an unknown country I've never heard of and work without papers, but realistically speaking, every country has laws and those laws require you to have citizenship or authorization i'm a foreigner i don't have a mother or father who's an american citizen i therefore don't have a green card and i unfortunately don't have a work permit so quite simply i'm a pro bono lawyer because i'm foreign and there are many people in the us who are foreign but many a time it's either because their spouse is american maybe their mom or dad is american they're on a different visa, a different work visa than what I would apply for. Or alternatively, they had been blessed with a sponsor. What people don't understand, very briefly, is for me to be sponsored, it costs $8,000 US and the employer has to pay that. Therefore, he would rather hire an American for free. And so that is simply it. I'm a foreigner. I don't have the legal right to work. And so as a born-again Christian who believes in abiding by the law of the Lord, L-O-R-D, and the law of the land, L-A-N-D, I work for free. I believe I need to be honest and integral. And so that is why I simply serve communities without receiving a paycheck. Number one, when I speak, I don't charge for speaking because of the nature of the topic and the fact that the people who need to hear it most probably couldn't afford to pay the fees most people charge for speaking. And then, as I said, when it comes to working for an income, it is illegal in the United States for me to do so without having work papers. And so just finally, that is one of the motivations behind why there is a lot of green card marriages, which is when people marry one another for the purpose of papers. However, that is fraud. And so even though I've had people proposition me and say, I'll marry you for papers, I can honestly say hand on heart, I declined that. I said to that individual, I believe in marriage for love. I do not believe in divorce. I believe in one marriage, and so I can't marry you. So if anyone wants to marry me for papers, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and,
0: and so, tell us, just tell us more about this journey that 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 you're that you're on and the work that you're doing.
1: Most certainly. So as I was sharing, I went to Saint Vincent last year to give free presentations on this topic. And whilst I was there, I fell in love with the country. Not with the guy, with the country. They have nine islands, if I remember correctly, and the Pirates of the Caribbean was filmed there. It is a beautiful country. I would travel from island to island constantly. I went there on the 20th of August. I stayed there until July 29th. And I can tell you, at no point was I on lockdown. I was at the beach. I was enjoying the weather the fresh fruit and vegetables, I had a ball. Now, unfortunately, because of the lockdown in the rest of the world, September 10th, my flight was canceled. Now, that was an answered prayer because I wanted to live there. I was planning to get residency. I wanted to work and open my own bakery. I was super passionate. And in fact, one of the reasons I fell in love with the country is that in their main center or the the main town, Kingstown, there is a prison in kingstown that has a bakery now i'm Mm. a chef i worked in united nations when i was younger i studied hospitality in switzerland and so i am very passionate about baking and food and i've also for the last 10 years been very passionate about providing in the future when i have land and finances providing employment for the formerly incarcerated in vegan bakeries around the world so i've Mm. had a dream for 10 years to open open hiring policy bakeries, where I would hire ex-convicts. That is a dream that has been on my heart. So imagine having a dream about opening bakeries for the formerly incarcerated, going to a country and seeing bakeries in the prison. That for me was like a sign from God. I fell in love. And in fact, I would go to the prison on an almost weekly basis. I'd walk in there like I own the place. I would honestly just go in and out, walk around. Yes, I was a female in a male prison. But there were always staff around, and I loved the environment. I loved the atmosphere. Yes, it was a prison, but I saw the potential for when these men came out of prison and the opportunities that could become available once I had this dream bakery. Now, as I said, my flight was canceled, and an honor and privilege for me was on around the 13th of September, the Prime Minister, Ralph Gonzales, attended my church, and I happened to be sharing a testimony at church five minutes talking about how my flight was canceled. And that was an answered prayer. Because if I had changed my flight, I would have had to pay money. But when my flight was canceled, the airline owed me money. So I shared how God is so good. I'm going to stay here. And I said to the Prime Minister, I said, I'm so honored you're here today. I love your country. I want to live here forever and work in your prisons. And that was recorded. So you can find that on the internet. That is exactly what I said. And after I spoke, he came up to me and He gave me his personal cell phone number and said, let's stay in touch. And then by the grace of God, we stayed in touch. We communicated. We didn't yet have an opportunity to have a formal meeting. But he said and promised me, I will help you to get your papers to stay in the country. Now, for me, that was amazing. Like, imagine meeting like Obama and he says, I will get you papers to stay in America. That's the prime minister. You're,
0: like,
1: yeah, you're like, yeah. you going to give me the papers? So let's go. <laughs> I know, right? That's, like, amazing. Like, imagine if you happen to be a single person, strong Christian, doesn't want to marry for papers, and you meet the prime minister, and he tells you on a phone call for 12 minutes and 56 seconds, I will help you get papers. That's, like, amazing. Like, wow. Right. That well, is well, just, well, like, God. <laughs> that man. was man. just, like, amazing. Because well, I got yeah, a phone so- call. Yeah, and, like, I I didn't even know who it was.
0: What was that feeling like? Like, what?
1: (laughs) Yes, because I got a call, and I didn't recognize the voice, and he said, it's the prime minister. I was like, yeah, this is the prime minister, you know, like, I know it wasn't Obama, guys, but it was still exciting.
0: (laughs) It's the prime prime minister. You don't meet meet prime ministers. You don't have prime ministers calling you on this (laughs) on the no,
1: <laughs> that doesn't happen, but in the Caribbean, it happened to me. And so I was excited, like, this is amazing. I was hoping and praying he'll be reelected for his 20th. So he's been in power for like 20 years. So I was right. hoping he'd be reelected. And so that way he can help with my papers. I was really right. ambitious. He was reelected, which was amazing. However, unfortunately, everything went downhill in May when I applied for an extension again and it got denied and the reason for the denial was that nine months is too long for a holiday now for someone like me who's traveled the world consistently for 10 years that is the dumbest thing I could ever hear because like, I yeah. travel full-time when people tell me where do you live I'm like right now where I'm staying because like I travel so much I've been out of the UK for like 10 years so I don't even know no one from the UK like I'm serious I have like two UK phone numbers For friends and that is it because I just travel it's like I have the travel bug and so I can't (laughs) sit still I like to travel the world and so for someone like me who has been to 38 countries and over the last 10 years has traveled to about 10 countries a year to be told nine months is too long for a holiday it's like you're talking to the wrong person like you just don't know me and so when I was told that I was very upset because my plan was to stay there forever that was my dream to remain there, to work in the prisons, etc. And unfortunately, when they did denied my extension, they said, you need to leave. And oh. I said to immigration, I'm going to apply for residency. And they said, that's OK. You can apply for residency, but you need to go home. Let your lawyer apply for residency, and then you can return. Now, let's not forget, we're in a lockdown. So can you imagine, it doesn't right. matter what country, but imagine being overseas during the lockdown, Flights are canceled or excessively high. You apply for residency or you're applying, and immigration tells you you can apply through your lawyer. You don't have all the necessary documents, so we will not accept your application without everything. We recommend go home and come back. For me, in the politest way possible, that is the dumbest thing I could ever hear because we're in a lockdown flights for 4,000, and I heard on good authority legal documentation from St. Vincent that just before Christmas, a woman from England bought the disease I don't want to talk about to St. Vincent. So can you imagine somebody brings a disease over from my country in December, what? puts the country on a new lockdown on, on New Year's Eve, apart from churches, there were no parties on New Year's Eve, and you want me to go back to England? That is just preposterous, because I could go back and bring the disease with me again, like the woman before me.
0: Right. Yeah. You want me to
1: leave and come back? Yep. And it's illogical, because the cost is ridiculous. Then the risk of me bringing that disease back or bringing that disease there, it's nonsensical. But that was what they told me to do. And I refused. I'm a strong Christian. I have the discerning spirit of the Holy Spirit. And I am convinced God told me, do not leave. I followed the protocols. In in life, through law, there are protocols and channels. I followed the protocols. I applied for my background check from England. It was clear. I got it expedited. It arrived in a day. I got pictures. I got everything I needed they told me you need to leave by, I think, the 26th of May. I think that was the date they told me. And so Mm -hmm. I applied for the residency with all my documentation the day before the the departure. So if they said the 26th of May, I applied the day before. And what I heard from lawyers who have worked with people in relation to immigration is that typically in Barbados, it's guaranteed, according to a lawyer there. But in St. Vincent. Typically, when you apply for residency, you get an automatic extension because your reason is that you've applied for residency. Yeah. But immigration refused to give that to me. They uh-huh. told me to leave. Now, it's usually an eight-week process. So from where I'm standing, just wait the eight weeks and let me go home if I get a denial. That, for me, is logical. It's only eight weeks. Allow me to wait it out. And if it's a no, I will leave. They refused now, this is an eight-week process. They made their decision in two weeks. And oh, when they denied it, they did not give me a reason. Legally, there must be a reason because you have the right to appeal that reason. Right. If there is no reason, what am I appealing? I can still appeal, but I'm appealing what?
0: Yeah, what am I so, appealing? I, mean, I don't even know what, what's the reason. They <laughs> just told me now, no reason behind it, <laughs>
1: Yep. And so I can appeal. But what am I appealing? A blank piece of paper? Because they haven't given a reason. And then immigration turned up at my home about a week later. And they said to me, you need to leave. If you hide, we will find you. They put my picture up on Facebook like I was a fugitive. Oh, it was no. a passport photograph. Oh, I looked no. like a criminal. Because in passport photographs, you do not smile. If the passport photograph is taken out of context, you may look like a criminal. That's Mm -hmm. how it was. They put up my picture on Facebook and, and told the public they would like me to get in contact with immigration. Immigration has my email. They know my lawyer's office a few doors away, but they choose to go on Facebook. They don't contact me privately on Facebook. They post it up for the world to see. Why would you do that? It's unprofessional. I'm not a criminal on the run, but people thought I had committed some heinous crime. One girl in Trinidad said, what have you done? I said, nothing. I said, what do you think? And she alluded to the fact she thought I'd done something criminal. I said, you don't know me. I work for free. I sleep on people's floors. And live like a dog at times, literally skipping meals to follow the law of the land, to follow integrity. When I've been in the U.S. over the last seven years and Christians and non-Christians have told me to work illegally and I do not do that. Think about it. Why would I pick up myself, go to another country and do illegal or criminal stuff? That is stupid because in America it would be worth it. I'd be making money by now. I'll be living by myself without roommates, leaseholders persecuting me. I wouldn't have to put up with nonsense if I was working under the table. So when she said, I think you've done something criminal, I didn't block her, but I didn't talk to her again. Like, you just, you don't know me. Like, you don't know me. And so I wanted to get my side of the story out, so I reached out to the Searchlight newspaper And I told them everything. I sent them evidence and chronology and all information. I sent the prime minister's secretary email that he's trying to get me a job. I sent everything to them. I even cried on the phone and said, let them deport me. I'm not leaving. And when I read the newspaper a week later, she took everything out of context. And as a result of that, the church disowned me and said, we will not support you as they waved the newspaper and said you shouldn't have said these things. It is a newspaper. Do not tell me I shouldn't have said. You were not there. You don't know the context. If I say I will not leave because of, but it gets cut off, the because of gets cut off, the people who read that statement, exactly. People think, and they, they wrote about me, oh, I'm entitled. Oh, I think I'm this because I'm British. No. I was simply saying, I'm not leaving because I have rights. I have the right to appeal. I have a right to apply for residency and get an extension automatically. I have legal rights. But the newspaper didn't say any of this. And in fact, if I can hold up my hand and say, I regret going to the newspaper because it portrayed me very negatively. I had been there from August 20. I had spoken at churches, schools, TV, radio stations. I had impacted and empowered people's lives. There was a student. She saw me on TV and said, I do not want to commit suicide because of your message I had men and women in high positions of power telling me they were sexually abused in their childhood my work was impacting people I had a person who was married say you are the only person who knows apart from my wife I had a woman tell me my family don't know I was abused by another family member So clearly my message was impacting and changing lives. But in May, people forgot what I'd been doing because they tore me apart. I could not read the comments because they were that bad. I cannot imagine what it's like to be a celebrity when people lie about you and tear you apart because it hurts. It's not true, but it hurts even so. And then a week later, there was another newspaper article. I was on the front and the back cover of the searchlight for four consecutive weeks. And every week they tore me apart. My reputation destroyed. However, I am convinced what the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. Because whilst all of this was going on, I had joined a new church and there was a sermon, A Living Hope in Troubled Times. And this is the church that later disowned me, by the way. However, the pastor spoke about Paul and Silas, Daniel and the lion's den, the three men in the fiery furnace. And when he shared those stories, I had a remembrance. Oh, yeah, Paul and Silas. And so therefore, on the 17th of June this year, when police and immigration turned up to my house to arrest me out of my bed in my night clothes, I was already prepared for what I needed to do. They wanted me to leave the house without washing my face or brushing my teeth. They wanted me to leave my house in my nightclothes. And I was not going to do that. I was not going to get undressed and get naked in front of another human being. I wasn't doing that. So I put clothes on over my nightclothes. I washed my face and brushed my teeth. I refused to use the restroom because I wasn't doing that with supervision. I'm not a criminal. And even if I was a criminal, I still deserve a a sprinkling of privacy. Just a sprinkling, just a little bit, right? For me, it's an immigration matter. But they treated me like I was a murderer, rapist, or pedophile. The way that they were behaving with guns and all this foolishness. Now, by the grace of God, they didn't put handcuffs on me. They took me to court. And when I got to court, it was the serious offenses courts. I am not kidding you. Yeah, an immigration through. matter, right? Yeah. Serious offenses court. Do you know the amount of corruption in that country, the amount of people who commit crimes and walk around not arrested, not in prison, and I'm at the serious offenses court? Like... Yeah, they, oh, yeah they, they, they were trying to get you up out of there.
0: They went, they like, hey we, got, hey, we got to do something.
1: <laughs> yep. So that's why they took me to the serious offenses court. I was shocked. This is immigration, yeah, right. and that's where they took me. This is immigration <laughs> like, matter. Y'all ain't got me in the highest of court. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like I might laugh now, but I was shocked, really, because I know of stories, factual stories of people who have committed crimes and there was witness, and they ain't in prison. They've not even been to court, and an immigration matter for someone who is honest and integral. Imperfect as I am, honest and integral, and that's where you're taking me. And now the Bible says there's a time to speak and a time to stay quiet. And when I was in court, I sat there all relaxed. I just act relaxed. I just didn't care. I wasn't bothered. I was just so chilled. And I went into the little box and the judge started talking. And I said to her, Why isn't my lawyer here? And she responded, Who's your lawyer? I said, Jomo Thomas and Maya Eustace. And the judge continued the proceedings. When I later spoke to my lawyer, she said when that happens to her, she will say we need to halt the proceedings so that the lawyer can be present. That is not what happened. And I spoke up and said, I'm a British citizen. This isn't a right. I said, I have legal rights. My lawyer should be here. I spoke up. And I say that because when I told my mother about this sometime later, she was like, be humble, stay quiet. I wholly disagree with that and I rebuke um, that statement because we got to use wisdom as to when to fight our battles. When to fight our battles. Most definitely. Well,
0: the, the old country song say, you got to know when to hold 'em, you got to know when to fold them, know when to walk
1: away, know when to run. Amen. Because when you're arrested or when the police talk to you on the streets of New York or Texas or Florida, my opinion shut your mouth. When you're in court, you speak through your lawyer. Because when you open your mouth, he has the power, not you. And so for me, when I'm in the vehicle, I have nothing to say. I'm not going to discuss with them or debate with them. I will speak at the right time. And what I did not know is that there was courtroom reporters in there who were writing down everything that was going on. So now when people look at the searchlight newspaper on the 4th of May and look on the 17th of June, they will say, wait a minute, but she was in court and this, this, this happened. So that for me, I don't want to say it gives me a bit of credibility, but it kind of helps that reputation they destroyed. It kind of builds it up a little bit, just a smidgen. Because when they took me out of the court and everybody was staring at me, I said, I can write and sign autographs if you like. This is me, front cover of the searchlight newspaper. And they just Mm -hmm. stared at me. And I did not want people staring at me because I was livid. And I'm sitting, I'm not lying to you, underneath the signboard, serious offenses court. I'm like, it was just so ridiculous. I'm sitting under the signboard of the courtroom. And I was so angry because I have a lawyer and I have rights. I am a lawyer of seven years. I know my rights. And so we get in the vehicle and I see two camera people and I was told by my lawyer, don't speak to the media. So I turned away from them and then they walked up to the vehicle and they said, Miss Headley, would you like to tell your side of the story? That was like bait to a fish because of course I did. Yeah, I ignored my lawyer's advice and I spoke too much. I've seen that video
0: too. (laughs)
1: So I spoke too much, I told everything. I told out all my business, how much money i had like I said too much, but I did that because it was my side of the story. It was my opportunity to speak verbatim without the searchlight government bias newspaper editing things out. I could speak verbatim, mm-hmm. and I said to them, I had been accused of being a human trafficker like I'm serious. Ridiculous as that sounds, that is what people were saying about me, the anti-trafficking advocate for close to a decade. The rumors were, I am a trafficker. The rumors were, I'm not a lawyer. I I cried about that, not because they called me a trafficker, but like, really? People are going to say this nonsense? It wasn't because it hurt. It's because people believed it. It's because they believed it. They thought I was a fraud. I had written a book on trafficking and people said, I'm a trafficker. I don't want to be rude or anything or or be funny. But like, I don't know many traffickers that skip meals, sleep on floors, sleep on benches and don't get paid. I mean, come on. Traffickers make money. It's a business. They live the lavish lifestyle and there is me on floors and I've lived in some squalid places. Even now, I live in a filthy house. I've lived in filth in the past. I'm living in filth in the present. I'm not no human trafficker, just for the record, yeah? I'm not a trafficker. (laughs) Just going to put it out there. (laughs)
0: Yeah, right, yeah.
1: yeah. Mm -mm. I'm no trafficker. And so when people said that, it hurt because it was believed. That's why it hurt. And so they took me to the police station. They put me in the prison cell. They kept me there. And that day, I said, I need to call my lawyer. I told them I need to call my lawyer. And they said to me, you can call your lawyer later when the supervisor comes. So I'm there waiting for the supervisor. She doesn't come because she's in a meeting with someone. She eventually comes, and they ignore me, and they ignore me. Now, unfortunately, I have a spirit of anger, so I lost my temper. And so I started throwing things out the prison cell. I started to kick down that door. Now, I'm a vegan and I'm really small, but I have this supernatural strength that isn't necessarily a good thing when my anger comes out. I was trying to break down that door. In fact, I kicked the door so hard that I actually injured my foot and ended up with swollen foot and a pain in my chest that I couldn't walk for almost a month. That's how bad I kicked down the door. And they were shocked because I'm so tiny, right? They're not expecting this in this tiny little person. And then they opened the prison cell. So I'm thinking, oh, great. I can call my lawyer. It worked. No, it didn't. (laughs) They put me back in the cell. And then a few days later, they tried to illegally deport me. I had an appeal. And when you have an appeal, no, go ahead. Yeah. They wanted to deport me. I had an appeal in. And the immigration officer told my lawyer, I'm following instructions. Mm-hmm. I'm not even lying to you. She said, I'm, like, seriously, you are an officer of immigration. You have a job. Your job is to follow the law of immigration. But she was going above the law and following instructions. They took me to the airport. We were four minutes late. Now, for those who know the story of Lazarus, Jesus turned up four days late when Lazarus had died. So four is very symbolic. We were four minutes late. And the immigration officer got stressed. She was like, no, 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 no. And so they tried to get me on the flight. And then they said, you know what? You can get on. So we put my luggage on. I am six pounds overweight. And so I was strategic. And I took my stuff out so slowly, the plane left without me. (laughs) And so I ended up being sat on the floor in the airport, holding onto my luggage with my life. Because if I hold on to my luggage, they can't pick me up and put me on no flight. So I was very clever and wise. And I held on to my suitcase with a supernatural strength. And my friend was like, I saw a picture of you in the searchlight sitting on the floor. You look crazy. That is out of order. That, for me, is not his place to say. He was not there. He doesn't know the circumstances of how I got to be sat on the floor. That was to my protection. Because I have been told that in St. Vincent, there are people who have been physically assaulted by the police. People in St. Vincent are afraid of the police. Therefore, by me sitting on the floor close to my luggage, if they try to get me on the plane, I can hold on with my life. And they can't say that I hit them or whack them or whatever. I'm holding on. It was for my protection. And when I'm on the ground, I'm a lot harder to pick up. I'm tiny already. If I'm on the ground, I'm harder to pick up. So that, for me, it was wisdom. It wasn't a sign of insanity. I could hold on my hand and say, I'm not crazy. I live with a crazy person, but I'm not crazy. I'm sane. And I held onto that bag. And then we went back to the police station. And when we went back to the police station, the police were angry. Why are you back here? I'm serious. Like, Why are you back here? Why are you back here? You must be a criminal in your own country. You're on the run from America and England. You're a criminal. You're it wasn't that i had an appeal can you imagine that you have an appeal whether you're guilty or not you have an appeal right you get illegally taken to the airport for an illegal deportation and then when you return back to the police station they're saying you're a criminal no i should not have been taken in the first place i shouldn't have left in the first place and so when i got back there they punished me they called me names they messed in my head the psychological trauma. I can't imagine if I was accused of rape or murder because the police treated me like filth. They stole close to 2,000 U.S. dollars of my money. They messed with my head. It was not okay under any circumstances. And I know there are people who go through worse innocent or not, go through worse for decades, solitary confinement, etc. The experience messed with my head. But when they punished me and they took my pens and my book and they confiscated everything, what did I do? I remembered what Paul and Silas did. So for five hours straight, I sang worship songs. At full volume high-pitched and the police were so angry with me because I got a plastic bottle and I rubbed it up and down the bars for musical instruments five hours of worship non-stop because they may take my book and my pen they cannot take my worship and I sang for hours and the only complaint that they had Juanita sang for five hours not that she was rude Not that I was disrespectful. I was very polite, very humble. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, ma'am. I weren't being fake. That's just the the persona. That's just what the Lord wanted me to do because I don't talk in that way. I say, excuse me, ma'am and sir, but I was very humble and submissive and everything. It was the worst experience of my life. I am telling you that. I was sleeping on an upside down table. It was as hard as a rock in this filthy, squalid prison without natural light, boarded up windows. And then on the eighth day when I was there, my lawyer came to the prison and she told me she got a phone call from the attorney general and he said, we want to release Miss Headley. The same guy who put me in the prison without my lawyer being present is the one who called her and said, release Miss Headley without bail. That is the God that I serve. Because exactly one week later, I was reading in Acts chapter 16, verses 35 to 37, and it says, the keeper of the prison said, let Paul and Silas go. And my story, the attorney general said, let Juanita go. So I left there on July 29th. I won my court case. I was not deported. And I have a story of victory. It is not about the theft. It's not about the psychological trauma. It is not even about my memory problems. I don't remember stuff because they messed with my head so much that to protect myself, my memory has shut down. I don't remember things at all. But my God is a healer. And I now have a passion even more than I had before. 10 years I've wanted to build bakeries to hire ex-convicts. I've had that dream for 10 years. Now, I came to New York on July 29th for one simple reason. I want to work as a lawyer with men and women in prison. Bakery is all well and good, but I don't have the money for that. But I can tell you, seven years as a lawyer, volunteering at legal clinics and not really doing much, I want to work as a lawyer, not once a month or once a week. I want to help people like myself. And so for me, as it says in the Bible, well, the enemy intended for evil, God intended for good. Yes, they stole so much from me, but they have given me this new ministry and this new passion to change the lives of people right here in the United States, going through exactly the same situation and often even worse.
0: Mm. Mm. That's amazing. It's just, it's an amazing. It's a wild story. Of uh, <laughs> it's just it's just crazy. Uh, like mm. you said, you got me in the highest of courts about about the immigration matter. Like I like I. Than, uh, like I'm a serial killer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I know, yeah. like I'm a human trafficker. <laughs> yeah, you know, like like you, like I'm going around right here and, and giving these speeches and share my testimony, and you making it seem like like this is y'all making it seem like I'm putting up a facade and doing yes. the exact opposite of what I'm talking about. You got me yep. painted up to be a human trafficker. You got be painted up in the papers and, and looking crazy, and, and y'all y'all all man. That's a, that's a lot to face. And it seems like you was on a journey and then this occurred. And so now it's like you're on the same journey, but with with more and more of a mission. So so if you had one word to describe this journey so far, what what would that one word be and why?
1: For me, I'm trying to think. Now, lawyers always have an answer. And as you can see, I talk a lot. What would be the one word to describe the journey? I would say, I would say breakthrough. I would say breakthrough. Because for me, the way that I'm looking at this, I believe that this experience is going to propel me into my career. I believe this experience is going to eventually get me my work permit, it is eventually going to get me my green card. So it is breakthrough. In other words, I have a passion for people, I have a passion for helping. I'm a lawyer seven years. You can't be bothered to be a lawyer. I'd rather travel the world and volunteer in orphanages with kids. But this experience is the breakthrough that is propelling me into my legal profession. It is the breakthrough propelling me into changing lives. I have believed for at least the last 10 years or more, Your past does not dictate your future. I have never believed in the death penalty. When I say never, meaning I believed in it before university because I didn't understand the concept, but as a Christian, I don't believe in that anymore. I believe in second chances, and I can say wholeheartedly, my entire Christian walk, and I was Christian from the age of 15 in church all my life, I believe in second chances. I believe in punishment. Yes, you do something. You should be punished. It's a consequence, repercussion, whatever you want to call it, calmer. I believe in consequences for your actions, but I don't believe in a knife for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You've committed a crime, punishment, whatever, but I believe in second chances. And I say that because I don't believe in the death penalty. I want people to be open minded. I have a platform. I'm a speaker. I want to speak around the world and change the lives of people. And I'm not just talking about those in prison. I'm talking about those outside prison. I want people's eyes to be opened that no matter who is behind the prison walls, they are a human being first. They are a person first who has potential. Even the worst individual in the world, I believe they have potential. So like I said, for me, it's a breakthrough because I want to use the platforms I've had. I've been speaking on the TV and radio for six years. I want to shift the dialogue. I've been speaking about victim, victim, victim. Now let's look at the perps because the vast majority of perps of abuse or trafficking have been a victim of something themselves. So for me, I want to say thank you, St. Vincent. You tried to ruin me, you tried to destroy me, but you have opened the door for me to do what the Lord has called me to, and that is to be a lawyer. Because I can tell you, this is my second day, day two of working for an amazing organization where I finally am doing what I'm passionate about. I work with men who are in prison or who have been in prison, and I spent about three hours today wrapping Christmas presents for these men. These presents are things that I have. I've been blessed with cups. I've been blessed with stuff that has never been used or opened, And I want to bless these things to these men. Now, some may say, why are you wrapping it up in Christmas paper? Who cares? Why? They've been in prison for decades. They've been in prison for weeks, months, or years. When was the last time they unwrapped something? When was the last time they felt that joy and that excitement to tear off the paper? For me... I value the little things. And so even if it's just a stocking or even if it's just a cup, I want them to experience the joy that they did not get to experience behind prison walls. And so honestly, I want to thank the immigration officers. I want to thank Prime Minister Ralph Gonzales, who wrote a two-page letter about me to a mutual friend of my father that was very negative. It painted me in such a negative light it's so negative. My family and friends haven't read that letter. That hurt me. I couldn't even sleep that night. I was so hurt. But I want to say, I forgive you, Prime Minister, for what you wrote. That's what you believed. That's what you thought about me. That isn't the truth. But I want to thank them because the Prime Minister is the head of that country. Immigration are the head when it comes to immigrants coming in and out. They're their head who make the decisions. And I want to thank them because if it wasn't for them, I would not be doing something that fulfills me. I am so fulfilled. I read books about prison. I watch movies about prison. I talk about prison like 24-7. I am so happy. So I want to say thank you, St. Vincent. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You may have taken my $2,000 U.S. that in the name of Jesus I will get back. You may have taken my memory, but you have given me so much more. And so I have to say thank you. Sendinson, Prime Minister Gonzalez and the immigration officers and the police who abused me psychologically. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to walk into my breakthrough. That's what I need to say today.
0: And there you have it. And there you have it. Oh, we appreciate you coming on as a guest on the reentry journey. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that want to get in contact with you and want to buy uh, your book, you want to.
1: Yeah, about I have book, my book. sure my book is called can you keep a secret it's on abuse and human trafficking it's available on amazon so you can check it out on amazon and it talks about my personal story of surviving abuse it also talks about how you can identify if somebody is going through sexual abuse or trafficking it provides signs and identifiers and how to safeguard the children in your world and most importantly it tells you how to respond appropriately to the question, can you keep a secret? You need to buy my book, 80% of the money 8 8-0, 80% of the money goes to charity. So if you paid attention to what I've been saying throughout, I am an unpaid lawyer who works for free, who is giving 80% of the money to charity because I like to help people. That's just my heart and my passion helping. When you buy the book, the money goes for a good course. And even 10% of the money is going to those in prison for commissary. For those who don't know what commissary is, it means that they will have the opportunity to buy toilet paper, to buy toiletries. Yes, they may have committed rape, murder, sexual offense, but they're still human beings who are entitled to dignity, entitled to toilet paper. So 10% of the proceeds goes for that. 50% of the money is for safe houses for victims of human trafficking. Another 10% is going to tithing. I believe in tithing. 10% of everything I get, it goes to church. Another 10% for the Indonesian men who climb up the Java volcano to collect sulfur for lightning cream who die from breathing this in, earn $8 a day. I want to buy them appropriate masks so they can do their job safely. By the end of this, I'm sure I'll be giving away 100% of the profits. I like to help people. Buy my book to be educated, empowered, and to make a difference in the lives of others. And you need to visit me on Facebook. My name is Changing Cases. My website, changingcases.org. That's changing, C-A-S-E-S.org. Changingcase.org. You can Google me, but remember, don't believe everything you read. The newspapers lie. But right here and now, I'm telling you the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> and there you have it. Uh, we once again, um, I like to thank
0: you for coming on, and sharing your story, doing the work that you're doing. Even though the things that you face, you you find a way to uh keep your faith in, in God and Jesus Christ. You find your way to to trust trust and believe that that they will see you through, no matter what the hardships is, and you know your journey from here on out. Like you All said, this is a breakthrough. You was on one journey, and then this happened, and this, it was a breakthrough to take you on, to elevate you into your purpose. And the crazy part is, we do have a couple lawyers, uh, attorneys in this group that I had on as guests as well. So maybe uh, you'll be able to connect, and y'all can be able mm-hmm. to, you know, do some things together as well. So thanks a lot for coming on the reentry journey. Uh, this has been another great episode of the reentry journey. I hope everyone had an amazing holiday. Got to spend time with their family now, you know, it's back to work this week. Uh, so, um, once again, thank you for coming on to the re entry journey. We really appreciate you, your work, and your story. Oh, also, and those for those that's tuned in, um, I do have a, a holiday sale, and you can get my book, Inmate the Inspiration. I, I, I got 50% off. 50% off. Go to my website, cardellsims.com. All my paperback books, 50% off, or you can get a bundle of six books for $50 as well. Uh, once again, this is the re-entry journey. I am your host, and we want to thank our, our guest again for coming on, sharing her story, and hope that she comes and joins the group and stays in contact with everybody, and we bring her on a few years later to see the other side of the journey and the other side of the breakthrough. Thank you, Juanita. We really appreciate thank you. you, your work, and your stories. And... This is another episode of The Reentry Journey. I am your host, Carter Sims, and we are calling it a night. See you all later.